Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? One second. I'm not having any volume here. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Great. Fantastic. Okay. All right. Let's just get this into where the look feels good, looks good. Let's pause the recording. So Parshas Bechukosai is the end of Sefer Vayikra. And essentially, it's a summation of Matan Torah. It's a summary of what it means to observe the mitzvahs and of the covenant that Hashem establishes between us, between the Jewish people and himself, and, and uh, the consequences of not following that covenant, not doing what it is that we're supposed to be doing, which are quite dire as one progresses through the Parsha, one sees the kolos, the curses, the, the different ramifications of not doing it, it's obviously quite frightening. Um, but, uh, but somehow, within the context of these psukim, there's a revelation here to something that is perhaps unique, that changes our, that should change our perspective. If we look at it carefully um, and analyze it, we will find that there's an aspect to Shmira Samitzas, to the guarding of the mitzvahs, to doing the mitzvahs, to fulfilling this covenant, that is not simply about what we're doing. It's not all about, it's not limited to, if you will, uh, the behaviors that we uh, manifest or the behaviors that, we, that we're doing. Rather, there's something larger at play. And if we look at a careful analysis of the psukim, of the psukim here, will perhaps reveal that. The opening pasuk in, the, in this week's parsha is, Im If you will walk within my statutes, and you will guard my mitzvahs, and you will do them. So the reality is that I would have been just fine with a covenant that stated, Guard my mitzvahs and do them. That would seem to be what the goal here is. Do Follow Hashem's mitzvahs. Do what Hashem asks you to do. And you're going to be great. You don't do the mitzvahs and uh, there'll be consequences. Essentially, right? Basically, what, what do we have? We have a supreme commander. We have the Rebun the master of the universe. God comes down and he tells us, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, so fine. So then that's what we're supposed to be doing. I'll do the mitzvahs and then that's great. What's what is the intention of the psukim here of in telehu? If you'll follow, if you'll walk in my hukim, if you'll follow my statutes, well, why is that important? What's the significance of, of the hukim here? And more than that, there's the, it's understandable that we're talking about a relationship with a divine creator, we're talking about a relationship with somebody with, with a being that is transcendent that is above us that is that that, that has uh, powers beyond what we have okay fair enough but 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 what is the wh- why would i emphasize the chukim why emphasize the aspects of it chok generally means something that is statutes that are that are not clearly understood by us why they're supposed to be done in fact there's a famous saying that Chazal say that Gemara says um, the, the, the classical chok, of course, is the chok of paraduma of the red heifer. And there on that passage, the Torah says, Zos chukas um, Shlomo Amelech, the wisest of all men, says, Amarti 
I thought that I was a wise man. This particular secret is other, there's other explanations on what that Pasuk really means, but the, the point is the Chok itself, the concept of Chok means things that are beyond us. So why would Hashem start off, if we're about to sum, summarize the, the covenants, the bris, the, 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 the relationship between ourselves and the, and the master of the universe, why start it off with Hukosa, with the Chukim? Why don't you say, if you'll guard my mitzvahs, and you should know also there are also chukim. Not everything will you understand, but what I want you to do are the mitzvahs which are for your benefit, which are for which are enhanced society. They make you into a better person. You'll grow from them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there are also things that you perhaps may not understand. Those are why start off with bechukaisay telechu. What so what what is bechukaisay telechu actually talking about? So if we take a look in the Rashi, Rashi says bechukaisay telechu is mitzvos. I might think. That what the Torah is referring to over here is the the uh, application of or the the fulfilling of the mitzvahs. That's already covered in the next words in the on the pasuk. That's already covered a little further on when it says it's You'll guard my mitzvahs. There it tells us to the mitzvahs. So what is actually talking about? What is it referring to? You want to know what chukosai means, what Hashem means when he says, walk in my pathways, walk in the pathways of my of my Torah. It is that you should be toiling in Torah. There should be a toil that should be hard work. Torah should be hard work for you. You should engage in the hard work of Torah study. What? What? That's chukim. That's that's those are un, not non-understandable statutes. What, why? How? What, what is what is the relationship between the concept of chok and amelus batera and, and toiling in Torah? Why? What? Why are those two things related? And why is that the primary focus of what we're supposed to be doing? So essentially, what we have over here are three three basic questions. There are three concepts that we want to in these three words. There's three words in the beginning of the parsha. And every aspect of what it's talking about are is troublesome. First of all, why chukim? Why is this a chok? Why is why is a chok? What's why is a chok set up almost as though this is the quintessential catch-all phrase that's supposed to define the covenant between us and Hashem? Why Why chukim? Why not? Why mitzvos? Why teilechu? Why walk in my mitzvahs? Why not, what, what about shmiras mitzvahs, asiyas mitzvahs, guarding the mitzvahs, doing the mitzvahs? Yes, I understand. Telechu, walking in the mitzvahs? Walking colloquially means, it means like, um, it means to be fully engaged, right? Like we find it says, um, it says by Noah, Hashem says, walk in front of me and be pure, right? Or Noah ish tzadik um, as Halokim his Halech Noach. Noach was walking in the bed. His Halicha walking in sort of says that I'm fully engaged in a process, but it's it's about a it's about the process. It's not so much about it's not so much about a goal. So why why the expression of Telechu? And lastly, what does Amelus Batera have anything to do with those ideas? Why, how is Amelus Batera? How is hard work that how is hard work 
defined uh, hard or working, uh, being toiling in the study, in Torah study, how does that have anything to do with the concept of a chok? Why, how, what, how is that even connected to this idea? So it would seem like this. <coughs> we understand that, let's put it this way. Many times we've said, we've learned, we've studied together, and we use the following phrase to describe what our goal or what our tafkid, what our purpose in this world is. We are here in this world to manifest spiritual potential in the physical dimension. What does it mean manifest spiritual potential in the physical dimension? A simpler way to say that, which I heard from Rebbe Lapiansky, which is, by the way, the, the, the source for much of the thought that I'm sharing with you tonight. But, but I heard Rebbe Lapiansky say this in a, in, a, in a fascinatingly different way than I've always said it. I always use this expression of, of um, manifesting spiritual potential in the physical dimension. The way he said it was taking the infinite and bringing it out in the finite, bringing the infinite out in the finite. Now, that's, that's oxymoronic. That's an oxymoronic expression. I mean, how do you take something that's infinite and put it into something that's finite? It's not possible. That's like telling me, take a, take a large circle and put it inside a smaller circle. It, it doesn't fit. It doesn't go. It's not possible. You can't take something that's infinite and put it inside something that's finite that by definition doesn't work. So the answer is right that you're right. By definition, Hashem's presence in the world is impossible. That's what we say. The Nefesh Chaim says it this way. He is the place of the world. The world is not his place. He is the place of the world, and yet the world is not his place. That means the, the muscle that he gives, the, the parable that he gives to understand this, if I take an object and I put it down on top of something, right? So now this, this, this table is where this phone is resting. This, this platform is where this phone is resting. But the phone, the phone, the, the table is not the phone. If I take the table away, the phone falls out, falls away. If I if I if there's no rebunishum, if there's no mass of the universe, if there's no infinite force, then the world has no place to be. Every everything that we that we're aware of, every finite thing, it has to have a place. Hashem is the place of the world. He's he is what allows he's he it's it's where the world exists. Remove that and the world ceases to exist. That's what we, we talked about this idea many times before. The reality, Hashem created the world. It's not that he created it in the past. It's that in every second, he is re reinvesting the energy to make it that the world can exist. The world only exists because of him. And yet the world is an expression of his reality because the world, world, because the world is here, his reality is expressed in the world. So therefore, that's, that's our tafka. That's our goal. Our goal is expressing to whatever degree is possible is to expressing the infinite within the finite. Is there a, is that a goal? Is that a goal? That's not a goal. That's not a goal because the goal will never be reached because what we're trying to reach is something that's infinite. That means we will never be there. We will never have arrived at the end. There's no point of arrival. There cannot be a point of arrival when you're talking about something that's infinite. Certainly within a finite dimension, there cannot be a point of arrival. That means that the, that the purpose of our existence is the journey. Oh, it's about a journey. Life is about a journey. It's a journey of expressing the infinite within the finite. That's what our reality really is. If our life is about expressing the infinite within the finite, then there's no more appropriate word than in Bukhukhoisai, 
Telechu, if you'll be walking on the journey. Now, the, now we're going to have to go back and step back up for a moment and understand why it's called a chok. Why it's called, why is it a chok that is by this journey requires chukim. It requires things that are beyond our understanding. There are things that we cannot actually uh, get a full grasp on in order for us to be able to express themselves fully. Why is it that it has to be that way? So the best way to explain this, again, Rabbi Lapiansky said this with a beautiful muscle. He used a beautiful parable to understand this, this concept. Think about this. If a person wants to climb a mountain, a person wants to go rock climbing, he wants to climb a sheer cliff, he wants to climb somewhere where there aren't, where there's no regular way of reaching this. So what do you do? What's the process by which that is done? What he does is he reaches out as far as he possibly can with a stake or some sort of a cramp, cram, whatever it is, and he nails that spike into the rock wall as far as he can go, right? And then he throws a loop over that with his rope and he grabs onto the rope and he pulls himself up, right? And the combined traction of that, that unreachable spot where he put his cramp, his uh, his clamp and his and the pushing against the hard the solid wall allows him to slowly slowly drag himself up until that point and when he reaches that point what does he do he reaches out again as far as he can and puts in another another one now what's the reason why it's so difficult to pull my haul myself up hand over hand on my rope until I get to that point to the point of where that clamp is, because that clamp is over there, out of my reach, far away, right? But basically, let's say somebody clamped, put in these iron rings before before I was there, and I throw my rope over it, right? And now I'm, I'm pulling myself up. So because that clamp is not moving, it's stuck where it is. And I have my rope over and I'm pulling myself, hauling myself towards it. I'm pulling myself in that direction. Right now, I have to work really hard to do that. You know what? I have a brilliant idea. I'm going to invent a clamp or whatever you want to call it, a stake that I put into the wall, right? And it will be on a spring, a very strong spring, one that won't break, that will hold my weight. And it will bend the clamp down to me where I want to be, right? And then I'll be able to reach there much so much more easily because it won't be so far, it won't be so hard and so far out of my reach. Does that make sense? Of course not, because the minute that thing starts bending down and now I start pulling on it to climb up, what happens? The rope's not taut anymore because I'm pulling down on the rope and my, my clamp comes down towards me. And now I'm pulling on the rope, but I'm not going anywhere because the rope is just coming down towards me. The only reason why I was able to elevate myself to pull myself up was because that clamp was so firm, so tight, so strongly ensconced where it was that as I climbed towards it, it and it holds strong no matter what I do, then I can climb towards it. This is the hope. This is the concept of hope. This is the concept of what the Torah is telling us. You have to reach beyond yourself. You are yourself. You, we, each one of us, we are our own finite beings. We live within the conceptualization of what we think is the world. Stretch up to the very limits of your understanding. Go to the place that's just outside this, this, the arc of what you really understand. Put a clamp in over there and reach for that high up spot. And as you climb towards it, it doesn't move. 
because it is firm. It is something that's beyond you, that you're, that's always going to stay in place. The Rebbein of Achaya writes, the word chok comes from the word chokuk, to be etched in, to be placed firmly in place in a way that it can't move, it will never change. It's unchanging in, 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 the, in, the, in the essence of what it is. So the, the concept over here is, right, that what is my purpose in this world? We said my purpose in this world is defining the infinite or bringing the infinite into the finite, expressing, manifesting spiritual potential in the physical dimension, bringing the, the, getting the reality of something that's above myself to make it a part of where, in, into the world where I am. How do I do that? It's a process. It's all about the process. It's all about the halicha. It's about the walking. It's about, <coughs> it's about stretching out and reaching beyond myself, attempting to, to connect to something that's greater than what I am. If I'm doing that, if I'm constantly stretching and pushing myself to something that's greater than myself, and that thing remains firmly etched in, stuck to its place, stuck in, that's a chok. That's what a chok is. Chok means those, those concepts that are above us. And what happens when you reach that, when you finally plateau and you reach that point, if you want to keep climbing, you have to now stretch out above yourself again, <clears throat> again to something that's beyond yourself, and then again pull on that. And it, it can't be something that bends to yourself. You know, unfortunately, you have people who they have their preconceived notions. Uh, my good friend, Dr. Schechter calls them social justice warriors, right? They have their ideas of what is supposed to be, what is so, what social justice is supposed to be. They're not, they don't look to the Torah to guide them what is the process of what, I, what, I'm trying, what I'm trying to do. No, I've already decided what is just. I've already decided what's right. I've already decided what's supposed to be. <laughs> and then <coughs> I bend the message of the Torah to, you know, unfortunately, to match what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. The moment you're bending that down, you're like that guy that has that fancy invention and he's trying to invent that crampon. He's trying to invent, invent that piton, right? I think it's called, right? That, 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 that thing that you stick into the wall that has a spring in it that bends down to meet you where you want to be. If you're bending it down to meet you when you're being, you're not elevating yourself. You're not climbing to be anything. You're just, you're simply bringing it down to who you are. You always have to be reaching for something that's beyond yourself. The reason why Akadosh Baruch Hu, the reason why Hashem created the world the way he did, he said, I want you to do this. And I want you to understand that it's not about the results. It's about the amelus batayra. It's about the toil that you put in. It's about the work that you do. That's where you're going to accomplish. If you work harder, the harder you work, the harder you toil in Torah, the more you're going to elevate yourself, the more you're on this pathway, the more you're in this, you're on this trajectory towards greatness, towards what it is that Hashem really wants from us in this world. That's the pathway to reaching what Hashem wants us, wants us in this world is to stretch out beyond ourselves and to elevate myself higher and higher so that I reach that. And then the moment I reach there, what do I do? I take that thing out and I put it even higher because I know there's another step and I can keep going up more and more and more. Now, it could be that before I got to that first one, I can't even perceive what there is in the next one. I can't, I have no, I have no conceptualization of that. Well, the moment I get to that point, all of a sudden I realize, oh, the mountain continues. The rock face goes higher. But the rock face only allows me to climb. It's like a person trying to walk on ice. If your feet don't have any traction, if your feet are just slipping, 
you're going nowhere. You know, you ever see how somebody like they try to move forward and they're just they're just sliding backwards and they're not going forward at all. The only way there's traction is if there's something solid there that I have to push myself against the resistance that I push myself against in order to continuously grow. In order to that's that's the reality of expressing the infinite within the finite world. That's the reality of chayk. That's the concept of It's about the journey. It's about how are you going to walk. And it's about understanding that what allows you to walk is that there are chukim, there are laws, there are just, there are realities that are beyond yourself, that are solidly in place, that can't be changed. That you need to strive to reach and need to, and how do you strive to do it? Amelos batayra. Not what you're successful in understanding Torah, not the mitzvahs themselves. The mitzvahs themselves, in, in, the, in the language that we've used before, is to explain this idea is the mitzvahs, the, the goal here is dveikus Bahashem. The goal, the goal ultimately is, is to cleave to the infinite. But I'm a finite being. As a finite being, how do I cleave to the infinite? The answer is it's not it's there's no there's no end point. There's no, there's no, it's it's not about how much am I actually connected. It's about how much of the process did I go through in order to bring about that connection? Because ultimately, we will reach there when we transcend beyond this world. This world is a world of movement towards. It's Eretz. The word come. The word for land is Eretz. Eretz means our roots. I will run towards. I will keep running. I will keep moving. Life will keep me moving. To where? To when I'll get to Shamayim. Shamayim means the heavens, the heavenly sphere. Shamayim means Shamim, the place of destination. I'm only in the place of destination when I've elevated myself to that point, to that level of where I'm beyond this world. But within this world, <clears throat> the only thing that's possible, Hashem tells us, in you have to walk in the pathways of my mitzvahs. You have to do our males with her. And then it's mitzvahs. Then if you guard my mitzvahs, if you and you do them, that creates tzavta, that creates a bond, that creates that creates the connection that we're looking for. That creates how it's, how it's possible to be successful. The uh, short of that, right? The um, the 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 reality coming to that reality is never going to express itself in in anything in anything other than that type of thing. If just to contrast that to to the ancient Greeks and to what to the to their system of science or to the process of understanding scientific discovery or any sort of breakthrough is the same idea. In, in Greek philosophy, they started from the things that they were able to understand. And they took the things that they were able to understand as being axiomatic, as being this, the, the, the pole, the goal of what you, what you wanted to reach. And they tried to explain everything within the context of what was already understood. The problem of what is that if you only explain things within the context of what you already understand, then you will never be more than what you are already yourself. You can't. If, if your axiomatic reality is that what I perceive as perfection is actually perfection, then you will never be more, be more perfect than that. You can never be anything more than what you already started out from, what you were at your starting point. At your start point, you already, you already conceived your limitations. You already said, this is perfection. And therefore, now I must try to understand everything within the world of perfection. And the, and the Greeks did a very good job of that of analyzing their world and analyzing what they understood, but only within the fine dimensions of what they understood. To understanding, for instance, the concept that things that things that were logical, that was fine, that, that worked fine for them. 
but things that perhaps that there are, we've observed in the world that are perhaps more than that. It took many, many years. It took until the beginning, perhaps the middle of the last century, the middle of the last, we don't mean the last century now, the middle of the, it took till the middle of the, of the 19th century to begin to understand that there were actually things that were way beyond us, that were more than what we have. And then science became about observing what is, and then from the observation of what is, trying to understand how that worked. Instead of saying, we are going to define what is perfect because of our observations, our observations will, our axioms will be, the circle is exactly perfect and therefore any other shape is less than perfect. And now let's define everything within the world of the circle. So how do you understand something like, for instance, that light travels at the same speed, no matter what you do. You know, you can't, normally we understand if I take a ball and I push it gently, it moves at one speed. If I push it harder, then it goes at a much faster speed. But light, no matter what you do to it, travels at the same speed. It never changes. You can, you can, you can emit light at a higher speed or emit it at a lower speed. The light itself, the ray of light, is always going to travel at a consistent fixed speed. It never changes. The speed, the speed of light is fixed. That's not logical. And if you already decided that when I look at everything that I look at in the world, the harder I push it, the faster it moves. So therefore, light must move faster when pushed harder. Then I'm going to understand that things that the, the speed of light changes. That's simply not true. That things uh, that are in motion remain in motion and nothing stops them. That's not logical necessarily. Right, that we would we always think depending on how much force was initially applied, but the reality is that there has to be a counter force that's stopping that motion from happening. Otherwise, things in motion remain in motion. Then there's nothing to stop them. Those concepts, that that concept, that idea of being able to conceptualize something that was beyond our understanding, that's relatively new in the world of science. But that's what the Torah is based on. The whole reality of what Torah is, is the Torah is you're striving for the infinite. Striving for the infinite means by definition, everything that I'm working towards is always going to be beyond me. How does it make sense to strive for something that's beyond me? The answer is because by striving for something that's beyond me, I can become bigger. I can become greater. I'm never limited. My growth potential is always so much more. That's the covenant of, of, what, the Torah, of what the Torah offers us. The reality is, is that the Torah is teaching us is it's not about the Shmira and Asiya. Torah is not about doing mitzvos. Torah is not about having certain beliefs. Torah is not about, those are, it's true that those are important aspects of Torah. But what's the, what summarizes what the reality of what Torah really is? What's the summation, if you had to encapsulate the entirety of what Torah is? In Bechukosai Telechu, Shetiyu Amelim Batorah. It has to be, you have to walk in Bechukim. You have to understand that the reality of what Torah is is beyond you and will always be beyond you. And you'll always have more to strive for that's beyond yourself. The goal is not what you will accomplish. The goal is the amelus. It's the work. It's the toil. The, the goal, the, goal the, the reality of what Torah really expresses for me is how hard am I going to work? And I'm going to work consistently and constantly towards something that is chakuk, that is defined as being something that's greater than myself will never be limited by my own perceptions. And to the degree that I understand something, that's of course the idea, right? That, that, that every Tamil Chacham understands, that every wise person understands is the more I know, the more I know I don't know. The more I know, the more I know I don't know, right? That's, that's the reality. The fact of the matter is those people who know, the less people know about something, the more you, you find this all the time. 
The less people know about a subject, the more they think they're expert in that subject. The more expert a person becomes in, in, in something, the more they realize that there's so much more to understand, that there's so much, so much greater. And so certainly that's true in Torah, that the whole reality is that we, <coughs> we're pulling ourselves towards a dimension, towards a reality that's <coughs> that transcendent above us, that goes beyond who we are. That's all about something that's much bigger than ourselves. It's, we're, we're, we're attempting to understand the infinite within the finite. And we understand that understanding the infinite within the finite is not necessarily, it's not, it's, not, it's not a goal. It's a process. It's about, this is the process that we need to, in order to be able to, to accomplish what we want to do in life. And that's the summation of the, of the bris. The summation of the covenant is in those three words, in it's chukim, it's things that are not understandable, it's statutes that are beyond our understanding, beyond our limitations, that we have to, there has, a, it has to be a pathway of halicha, of constantly striving and walking. You need that tension of something that is a beyond yourself, that you're always striving to accomplish more and more and more. And, and Amelim Batura, which is about Amelos Batura, it's about Amelos, it's about toil. It's not about the accomplishments. It's not about what I understood already. It's not about what I finished already. It's about how hard am I working because there's always more work to be done and there's always more growth to be had. And that's ultimately what we're really, what we're really striving for. That's the main idea. That is the main underlying principle of uh, what we have to do on the, every day and in every time when we approach what Torah is, that our great, uh, <clears throat> the possibilities <coughs> for us to be continuously in a process of ascension, of growth, of accomplishing is only because we understand that we're always striving for something that's just out of our reach, something that's beyond us. That's where, that's ultimately what we're trying to accomplish. That's, that's the reality. And that's really the summation of those first three words of this parsha of that it's not about the Asiyah It's not about the Shmira Samitzas. It's not about the doing and the guarding and all the rest of that. Those are all important factors. But the summation, if you have to summarize the entire covenant, it's about the toil. It's about the process because the process is the main point of where we are because this world never ends. It's our roots. I'm always running towards something. Only when I reach beyond this world to Shamayim, to the place of Sham, to the place of destination, that gets us into the whole idea of what Shabbos is really all about, the concept of Shabbos being me'ein olam habo, that it, and Shabbos is the point where I get to reflect back and look at what I've accomplished already. That's the, re, that's the reality of what it says. Hashem says, nafash, you take a deep breath on Shabbos, you breathe in and you look around. You're not caught up in the nitty gritty and the details. You get to look at the bigger picture. That's all that, that's all, the, all of that was of what we, we attempt to accomplish with, what, with, with, with those ideas. And that perhaps is the reason why when the Torah says that Hashem gives us chukim and mishpatim and just finds what is the ultimate chok, what is the ultimate mishpat. The mishpat, it says, is kibbut avayim. The chok, that is Shabbos. The chok is Shabbos. Shabbos, because Shabbos reflects on the reality that it's really beyond this world of what, what I'm really trying to accomplish. But that's a shir for that's a shmuz, a shir for another time. We'll pick that up on a, on a different Shabbos. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Okay.